Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm. I'm just worried because we were talking about some stuff earlier Whatever. that, you know. You caught me, I was I was listening to the Yojimbo episode and you caught me in a, uh, a moment of sensitivity. You know, I was talking about people on the internet having weird... Uh, attractions to celebrities. That was the Sandero uh, episode. That was the Sandero episode. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you put it in the episode. So what did you say? Morning. Which celebrities? Just, the it's the very beginning of the episode. It's very like during the, the theme. Did you not? You did not. I've never listened to any of the episodes. LOL. Jeez. It's did right I at really the break. It's, it's one of my. It's, what it's what not, is the fear there? I don't the like magic listening to my voice. I, I love. I loved doing that. You barely talk on the thing. I mean, you can. Yeah. You could. do it. Speaking up. Did we have a summary prepared? I I can read it if you want. It's Please well, let me let me introduce things first. Sure. Um, thank you for listening to Try Love. Jesus Christ! Are you doing that on purpose? You guys agree to do that while I was gone? Or <laughs> Days ago. <laughs> the most ambitious team up in cinematic history. Yeah. <laughs> you realize that somewhere a Disney lawyer has already I'm gotten that. <laughs> that was that was 27 seconds of the legal se- 30 seconds as as permitted under. We do not own that music. Creative Commons Is it, copyright. How law. many seconds do you have technically? Do you know? No. It's, it's I'll like, find it's out ten. editing. I'll cut it exactly where it's legal. <laughs> Is it ten? I'm like ninety percent sure. You okay. probably know more about this than I do. Yeah, Nick no, knows I don't. a lot about Th- the subject specifically, <laughs> <laughs> along with NBA. all subjects. Yes. Um, Thank you for listening to Try Love, a literal roundtable podcast about movies we saw at the Trilon. We're still this doing that one. I dropped that. I dropped that after the episodes that we did before about Kurosawa films. Um, today we're doing well, despite being at the same table. Yeah, I had completely forgotten that we were even doing it. It was during one of those gaps. I haven't heard it before. I, I like it. Is that Let's new? It. Yeah. I, I could have sworn that I did it during Yojimbo or Sanjuro. Also hasn't listened to prior Maybe. episodes. <laughs> those were all the telling. Blur. I don't wow. know. No, 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 if we can't even get ourselves to listen to this show, guys, we got to respect ourselves. I've got to love ourselves a little harder. We can double our audience just by all <laughs> listening. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I haven't listened to anyone's episode. I'm going to introduce myself and then let the rest of the group introduce themselves. My name is Jason Daphnis. I'm going to say my name and then we'll continue going around the table. My name is Cody. I'm the middle person in the round table, which means that there will be two people after me, uh, and my name is Harry. Uh, so I'm going to announce my name and then also set up our guest for this episode. So we're winding down related the by blood. Yeah, right. there's okay. one more after this person. So we are, I mean... Whose name is? About 65, 70% well, done with the introductions yeah. <laughs> at this point. Give or take. Yeah. I mean, we'll get there. We'll I, get I there. wanted to give us you know, a few percentage points for what I've already done here. Right. My name is Aaron, uh, and we are, uh, fortunately, unfortunately... Joined by my wow. twin, fraternal twin uh, brother, uh, Nick, who is in town from Madison, Wisconsin. Nick, how you, how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm the guy at the end of the round table. My name is Nick. That means so you're I, the the final person here with us today. After you stop talking, we, we know everybody at the table, right? Yeah. Nobody else? I think nobody that's else correct. Left. Except for Kyle. Kyle, shut up. <laughs> no, we haven't gotten to you yet. 
We haven't even asked the That's team what classic, they think. Kyle. Christ, God. Uh, so as we previously discussed, Nick works at the MPAA as a legal consultant, and he's going to tell us exactly <laughs> how long we can use that uh, uns- unspecified movie series. Yeah, it's, that's theme. the Avengers. That's can the we Avengers say the theme. name and use? Not, uh, do we have to like cut it in half if we're yeah, going to so say the we, name we of the movie? We were talking about. I mean, I don't think th- does the joke work because we have five people in this room. We talked about for we're talking. We said have five six, people. We have six people in this room. Oh yes, Kyle. Right, Kyle. Yeah, we haven't forgotten about you. Yep, that's great. Yes, he is Perfect, dude. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, yeah. Save it for the podcast. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. So, but we don't have... We were talking about potentially having seven people for the movie we were talking about, which is The Seven Samurai. Uh, the Seven can Samurai. Can we do the Avengers <laughs> joke? We don't have seven people. You know? We can do voices. Oh, yeah. We have almost okay. seven people. I do voices. We, I mean, we have six here, um, including Kyle. And that's how many they had in the original Avengers. So I think it all. And I think it's origi- perfect. And either in the original Seven Samurai, not supposed that's, to be Seven Samurai. That's, in that's true. And one of them, in fact, isn't a samurai. Uh, at least not by birth. Correct. You know, We're does that get really define who he is, though? You know. Uh, yes, well. it was a very rigid uh, hierarchy. <laughs> oh. We okay. wanted to start with a summary, and Nick has graciously offered to... Yeah. <laughs> was, did, did you hit the whammy bar on your esophagus? Uh, I'm like an 88 Stratocaster. I just oh. cannot stay in tune. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Nick Grossman, please grace us with a summary of Seven Samurai. Your Seven Samurai. We always summary. start so your Seven Samurai. As much Kyle, as actually, possible. that's okay. Nick is going to do the summary. Thank you, though, man. Yeah. Seven Samurai, uh, 6.9 on IMDb. 63% on Rotten Tomatoes, 54% on Metacritic. None of that is true. Looking to mine for gold, greedy industrialist Bartholomew Bogue seizes control of the old west town of Rose Creek. With their lives in jeopardy, Emma Cullen and other desperate residents turn to bounty hunter Sam Chisholm, Denzel Washington, for help. Chisholm recruits an eclectic group of gunslingers to take on Bogue and his ruthless henchmen. Are you doing the 2010 showdown on the horizon, the seven mercenaries soon find themselves fighting for more than just money once the bullets start to fly. I just looked over at the computer screen and there was just a big Bartholomew with evil doer written over <laughs> his head on it. <laughs> You are way ahead of us. Nick. Two, two words, two words. Of living in the next century, literally. I could have believed the six point nine thing, though. Like honestly, Metacritic and IMDb. Well, no, Metacritic. Don't hold Metacritic, Metacritic, Charlotte, Metacritic users. Charlotte. Metacritic. You know, I don't know. Does Metacritic even go that far back? Well, this is what nineteen fifty four. The oh, actual yeah, I think. Not the fucking. It has movie. a one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, okay. so I'm sure it has like Armand White hasn't gotten to it yet. No, so we're, uh, I don't know, okay, so we don't, we're uh, talking about the Seven Samurai, Akira Kurosawa, uh, I want to say it is 19, yes, it is uh, 1954. Which makes it a, a relatively early film in his career. Stray Dog was 49, and that was uh, one of his first movies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and, um, Drunken Angel was before Stray Dog, right, and but that was 47, 48? And that was his first movie. Was course. that his actual first movie? Uh, it was his was first collaboration with, with Mufune. Mufune. I don't yeah. know if it's his actual first no, movie. No, he did, he did stuff before that. We should do like some research, probably. Right. Well, <laughs> no. <Okay>. Uh, <laughs> this is pretty early in his career, though. Um, yep. Sitting at a solid 207 minutes. Three and a half hours. Yes, uh, I, with an intermission. I strongly argue that it needs to be that long. I'd love to get into that point later on if yeah. we want. Doesn't to, feel, it I doesn't feel that long. It's well, feels I was going to say I don't, I don't think anybody would really argue with me in this room anyway. But it's it's a hard sell. Any any three hour plus movie is tough for most people. So why Charlie didn't watch it? She was supposed legitimate to legitimate reason. And then I was like, it's three hours long, and she was like, it's ten thirty. So <laughs> that's why she's not here today. Shout Thanks, outs. Charlie. Thanks for being. Yeah. She should not sleep. Like <clears> real one. Just never sleep. Go to bed at stupid times. 
just slam coffee every single. Okay. Uh, so do we wait? Do we have a summary then? Oh god, no. Okay, so uh, we can. What are you talking about? All right, wait a summary. Let's go. Just over the summary. Everybody's saying the summary at once immediately. These peasants are just trying to till their fields, but they're dummy thick, and the clap of their ass keeps attracting roving Sengoku bandits. Wow, I hate that. I just described the movie. It's actually the the millet that that they're farming. Right. I said crops, which is you know. Oh yeah. Okay. Hey guys, what millet? It's like a form of grain. What is? Yeah, grain? I actually have no idea. Is it? Is it, I, I just assume it's like, it's like a, a, a mixture of corns and other grains. It's like oatmeal. It's corns, what people ate before flour was invented. How many are there? Millet right now. It's what the they make gruel out of. I if think. you go to like Rural King or Lowe's, what is or whatever. Rural King? <laughs> oh man, that that's that a the thro- true detective villain from the first season. <laughs> <laughs> the King in Rural. The Rural King. <laughs> Uh, I have no idea what Millet is, but we should talk about I've got this it. movie. Hold should up. we actually, like... We're not talking I can about summarize Millet. the actual film. Do you, have you memorized that already? I uh, mean, uh, the hit a, hit a summary snack. of The Magnificent Seven, yes, but The Seven Samurai is about a very poor village in rural Japan uh, in, I believe, the Warring States period. Sengoku, Sengoku period, period, yes. Era, yeah. Late 1500s. Uh, 1467 to 1600. Exactly. And basically, the you know, the whole idea of the time is... You're either um, uh, a, s- a soldier fighting in a war for you know one shogun or another. Um, you are getting killed by said soldiers, or you're getting killed by bandits, um, which are usually soldiers that were deposed after their exactly. military service. <laughs> and these farmers uh, belong to the uh, last third, the peasant class. Those, yeah, of those groups, um, they have been preyed upon by bandits for several years now um, to the point that they have literally nothing else to give the bandits except the very food that they need to survive and in desperation and on the advice of their village elder they go into town to hire samurai with the food that they have and nothing else uh, the best food that they have, the rice the instead white of rice. the yeah. yeah, which apparently is what was actually served to samurai by their like lords yeah. in that time, they were actually paid in rice to just protect. Rice is good. Yeah. Processed white rice. rice was I, the, I, uh, tasty. I stood the up during this movie and just made a pot of rice. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Just ate it. I made it and ate That's it. authenticity. I was getting method. And then roving Sengoku bandits raided your apartment and took <laughs> everything him. you have. Yeah, savagely. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, we got to cut this podcast short because I have to bury my dog because <laughs> they murdered him. <laughs> Um, it's very sad. It was very sad. It was. Very, it, I got over it pretty quickly within the last seven hours. That is not accurate to how you would behave if Abe was <laughs> taken. <laughs> no, no, I, I would probably be dead myself. Uh, Getting back to the movie, yes, um, please. Flick actually finds success. He finds um, he doesn't realize they're circus oh, bugs, um, but they mistake him for a talent scout, and so they go back to the village with him. Is this a bug's life? Yeah. Oh. Was a bug. Continue. Is Bug's Life also a send-off of... It is. I have not seen Bug's Life. Yeah, like a pretty close one. not seen Bug's Life, I've never seen Ratatouille, so I guess I can't really... Yeah. Please explain Seven Samurai. Well, so I was going to say, this is one of the first movies, uh, you know, I don't know. There's different sources that say this is among the first, the first, the... This is one of the first movies to use, at least in film, the plot device of... Uh, this kind of group coming together in a, a fucking Avengers style, I guess, uh, to 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 defend a village, 
do a thing. You know, dif- different people from different walks of life with their own story coming together. They're all samurai. Uh, assembling. They're all samurai, but uh, they do have kind of their own stories um, a little bit, although <clears throat> maybe a point of discussion here. Some more than others. Some more than others. And I think the, the, the film is actually more centered around the villagers and how they react yeah, to the impending Im- threat. Yeah, importantly, right? Like, yeah. I think that's a really conscious choice on Kurosawa's part. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, subversive against... Um, Genre, I think. Although I don't really have the right to say that because I haven't seen a lot of other 1950s um, samurai, samurai movies. Yeah. There's a name for it. Uh, Jedi Geki, I think. That's probably not the right pronunciation, hmm. but that means samurai movie. Um, and there so were a lot like of a, them. an established genre yeah, in Japan? it was a big one. Cool. Um, like Yakuza movies, but not... Or like a similar genre in that it was like really nationally... Uh, focused. Okay. Anyway, yeah. got really quiet. So, so the reason I was saying that is just that, uh, you know, A Bug's Life of course is a, t- a take on The Seven Samurai, but there are a lot of films that owe certain elements of its their makeup to mm-hmm. elements from The Seven Samurai. Oh yeah, this is like a foundational movie. You know, sure. Yeah, a team coming together or uh, just the idea of this kind of existential threat of invaders uh, you know, kind of uh, threatening uh, a homeland or someone's home, someone's yeah, family, it, it, it established a lot of those tropes. In, yeah, for sure. With really, really, really great characterization throughout. A lot like, of the samurai already knew each other, so it also feels a bit like a getting the band back together movie. Mm-hmm. It's cute in that way. The, yeah. uh, Kambei, who I forget the actor's name, but he's a frequent... Takashi Shimura, who's Shimura. a frequent uh, Kurosawa collaborator as he's well. He's been in a lot of the other movies we saw as yeah. part of the Kurosawa Watch 2019. Um... <clears throat> Nakadai from Sanjuro is in this movie also. He's just Ooh. a rando samurai who walks by and oh, nice. doesn't join yep. them. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I which, is, which is why he gets basically cut in half ten years later in Sanjuro. <laughs> <laughs> that is a rad ass. <laughs> um. Good point, Kyle. I think it's important to keep that in mind when we think about this. Yeah, film. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I, I was going to point, I think the... The actual defense of the village from the bandits is maybe what an hour. Uh, yeah, I think three and a half I think hours. the movie's broken into three acts, basically, right? Yeah. And like, run it down two acts. Uh, literally, mean, two, yeah, literally, 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 sure, two with acts. the intermission. But it feels like a three act structure to me. In that, like in the first act, the samurai are all getting together, and then yeah. in the second act, they're sort of like planning or being in the village and resolving whether or not they're going to help. That's before yeah. the intermission. Uh, it culminates with the amazing. Uh, Kikuchio speech, and then um, the defense of the village is like the last third, the last act. It, yeah, it's, it's pretty small, um, but I, I think it generally works. I mean, the movie uh, the movie does a lot of build up to really establish. Uh, it puts in the legwork, I think, to um, differentiate each of the samurai pretty well. I think, but it, again, also, um, you know, this could have been, I think, a, a series of like short stories about the villagers and how you know each one responds to hmm. the threat of bandits. You know, there are a series of kind of vignettes throughout the film that are resolved later in um, that I think pay off pretty well. I don't know if we kind it, of have a it, favorite one. It reminds so. me of what you're saying about uh, about Seven Samurai. It reminds me of what we said about Redbeard. And sure. that maybe like that would have been better served as, maybe not better served, but also pretty uh, adaptable to like a vignette style. Like maybe the term today would be episodes 
or like miniseries yeah. style. Dude, this, the, the, I mean, it's like a meme at this point, but like HBO, I bet it's just like rubbing their hands together, just waiting to make a. I would love to watch episode. Pick the Bones. Uh, Seven Samurai miniseries. Um, I, this did feel tighter to me than Redbeard did. I was going to say, like, yep. I, I bring that, I bring up the comparison because I don't necessarily agree with it. I think that Seven Samurai works as a like cohesive whole, yeah, way better than. I also, Redbeard I don't does. really think that the focus is on the samurai or the peasants. Like, yep. it's really plot centric. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that sure, yeah, that uh, Redbeard wasn't necessarily sure, but I gotta I gotta say just with the the kind of TV discussion, I know that that's been a lot of, a lot of the proponents of kind of I don't know modern television, prestige television, whatever kind of shit you want to call it. Um, you know, it's been the argument that a lot of films today have been kind of standardized to about the two hour length, and that you kind of you know you can fit in little side stories and such, but they have to be somewhat standardized dramatically, um, and that if you you know, give someone eight episodes to establish characters and such. You can do a lot of little side things that kind of help build the greater story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've never really been able to watch TV very much, uh, but I do kind of like one season uh, television shows when I do watch them. And it kind of reminds me a bit of that just because it's kind of nice to see Kurosawa get, you know, three hours with Redbeard, three and a half hours of this film. Um, you know, there's little there's little bits in this movie that probably couldn't be done today just because they don't necessarily tie in sure. to this larger there's like a plot. there's like a big romantic subplot between uh, Shino who is the yeah. daughter of a farmer and, and Katsu- um, <clears throat> Katsushiro and Katsushiro Akimoto who's like the young samurai mm-hmm. they have like a like an almost Romeo and Juliet esque <laughs> yeah. um, romance in the village uh, and everybody is particularly Manzo the farmer her father is really concerned about it because Historically, and like he, the the cool thing about that subplot is he makes a really good point, and it sort of parallels the themes of the movie really well. Where he's like, like that samurai is not going to give you anything. Like he is just going to take yeah. what he wants and right. then abandon you, and without consequence because because Manzo's seen that happen, right? And like to the point where every the women in the village are like disguising themselves as men yeah. so that the samurai don't. Well, that's what take I was going to bring them, up. Was, I yeah, guess was like Manzo in particular again. Shino's father. <clears throat> Uh, has that scene just before the samurai actually arrive in town where he just panics and tells his daughter to cut her hair and, and chases her, her and through chases the village her and throws her around. It's just, it's not very it's relatable. Yeah, but then like later he explained, it doesn't really, his paranoia isn't quite like explained in that moment, but then later on when it loops back to like he was looking out for his daughter, you don't really see where he was going. I mean, you see where he was going with that you don't really it's a, it's interesting with him, I guess. In, yeah i it's it's they explain it without necessarily justifying it it's seen as like i think that the movie does a fairly good job of explaining how it's another kind of ownership and how yeah. uh it's another sort of agency uh eradicating mm-hmm. tool this idea of like protection of possession um but that's that's an interesting subplot to sort of get to Aaron's point that like uh or not doesn't obviously fit into the framework of the movie, but it's just sort of yeah. there to characterize further. Um, a movie would do that today, but it would do it much more economically, right? Like, it would shorten it down. We would, you know, instead of... We're given quite a lot of time with the father, actually, mm-hmm. to kind of establish his justification. And, you know, he's he's not being seen as in the right here. He's kind of an asshole, very clearly. Um, however, but we're given quite a bit of time with him, so it actually pays off fairly nicely, and it does tie into greater themes about... Um, you know, one's role in society, whether these two different classes of people can come together and love each other. Um, 
and it, it works because we're given so much time. A film today would do that, but it would it would maybe focus specifically on the romance, and we would not be given any time with the father um, at all. And I, I kind of like that. And there's a number of I liked it like too. Um, my favorite movie. part of the movie is probably the first act uh, where the peasants are are brought into stronger focus and there are a lot of scenes just devoted to characterizing the nature of the world as Nick described it um, where like this is such a clear in the mining town with Denzel Washington <laughs> right. yeah, right. I, I think you guys are mischaracterizing um, the, the the reason the, the father you know goes after um, his daughter to cut her hair and, and the reason he's so concerned I think um, it's sort of supposed to be justified in the film and you're supposed to sympathize with the father to a certain extent because he and the rest of the villagers are um, expecting to have to deal with the kind of samurai who at the very start when they try to recruit them is insulted by the offer so much that he just beats the guy in the street. Right. Um, mm-hmm. they're and can kill people with of, no consequences. or yeah. They're not working for any money. or They're working solely <coughs> for food. That is kind of a maybe a point exactly. we should no, bring up. Yeah, they're, that's, they're that's a good point. Um, them to come back with samurai who are brash assholes who absolutely will expect because that's what samurai are in this world and that's kind of the point of the movie is to point out how uh, in a in a class stratified society the upper class preys on the lower class um, like without exception Um, whether that's the bandits or the right and the the bandits are they're lower class but they are taking uh, it's not clear Um, yeah they they might have been samurai they might have been Bandits. I guess I was making an assumption peasants. that once you get into banditry, maybe some of right. that's. But I, I don't actually know the. the but but that. Nick, you're right in that. I think in the movie it's justified. The point I was making is that, like, at least to my to my eyes, it was tough to. It was sort of an ironic justification, right? Because it oh was yeah, like, yeah. You, you notice that? Um, I, I think in, in whatever speech when he's talking to um, the other families who have you know seen him cutting his up daughter's hair and hidden their daughter's away as well. He says, you know, uh, whoever's talking, either criticizing him or trying to justify him, they only ever talk about daughters rather than, you know, uh, sisters or wives mm-hmm. or whatever. And it is clearly, you know, from from one perspective. From a, a patriarchal yeah, perspective. Worrying yeah, worrying about the, you know, the, the continuation of property and ownership and so on. Yeah. Um, I think that was sort of the, uh, the, the start of the turning point of the samurai realizing you know, that they're they're not the unequivocal good guys here is because they initially, when they see this, and um, Mifune's character is Kokuchiro? Kikuchio? Kikuchio, yep. Kikuchio. Um, when he does the false alarm to get them all out, uh, they're amused, um, you know, by the, the villagers' cowardice. Yeah. And sort of, <laughs> right. you know, gently, gently chide them. There's a lot of condescension, particularly in the first yeah. act. Um, condescension and... Uh, well, at least, especially in the village, outright cruelty towards the the peasants. There's a ton of contempt for the idea of peasants as cowardly or as opportunistic. Or and later in the movie, when it when it they find out that they've been uh, looting battlefields, um, like there's this suggestion that peasants are conniving and uh, opportunistic that uh, Kukuchio has to characterize for the the samurai. But there's this. There's this idea of the high class that that the lower class is like dirty and uh, unapproachable or uh, um, beneath them. Yeah, there is a, a humanistic touch though. Um, specifically with with that scene, uh, Mifune's character does point out. You know, so the scene in question is they 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 have a number of spears and and. Uh, 
armor and such that that they've you know, hidden away from yeah. after they took it from battlefields. They took it from battlefields. Uh, samurai who were fleeing or dying, they basically looted uh, their corpses. Um, and this is seen as obviously is pretty dishonorable to the samurai. Um, until Mifune's character points out, you know, the samurai to them represent the danger to their way of life. Like, the samurai and the bandits are kind of one and the same to them. They are threatening their homeland, their way of life, and that, you know... I, yeah, I think... They're I think kind that, of doing it too well, in, to in, a certain extent. In, in the whole point of this movie is that the, the class system that benefits the samurai is the same system that allows something like bandits to yeah. exist in the first place mm-hmm. yeah. and allows them to prey on peasants. Um, and... Uh, Kambe's character, Kambe Shimada, the leader of the um, Seven Samurai, um, his arc in this movie is an arc toward empathy and an arc toward understanding the nature of the class system that they perpetuate and benefit from. That Um, very last line in the movie where he says, this isn't our victory, this is like, this is their victory, this is the Feimer's victory. I think that's the first time that like, uh, that it's made very explicit that he's like, changed his frame of reference, changed his way of thought about the right. relationship well, between Well, in, in the casts. intermission, Cucuccio reveals that he was born a peasant mm-hmm. and reveals what it means to be a peasant and how people have to survive. And uh, Kambe weeps during that scene. Right. He appears affected by it. He obviously internalizes that. But then, like, for the rest of the movie, it is still him. I think in your letterbox review, you referred to it as noblesse oblige. Yeah, uh... That this movie is is a take on noblesse oblige, um, a, a really good one. I think. I think that it's interesting because I had a lot of issues with Redbeard's depiction of um, the class system, mm. and I think that this movie is like weirdly um, a, a better, more salient take on it. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. It is, it is also a take on it, it. It does seem humanistic in the way that Redbeard was to me. I, I think I was I was more positive on Redbeard. Yeah, think well, I think will come up for this one. So. Yeah, Red, Redbeard is doing something different. I yeah, mean, I think is. that this movie is explicitly a class movie in a way yeah. that Redbeard isn't. Right. Um, I, I, well, I think we, I think we had this argument on the Redbeard episode, but I think I was arguing that Redbeard was doing it. I think I don't want to mischaracterize what you said, but I think you you argued that it wasn't doing it well enough, or that it didn't go far enough, in some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think uh, describing the movie as humanistic is, I, I wouldn't say inaccurate, but particularly when you talk about Kambe having a um, you know, character transformation over the course of the film. I think that only really happens in seeing you know, the peasants uh, more sympathetically himself. Um, and at the end, you know, he's still sort of resigned to the lifestyle and uh, death style of being a samurai in general. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the main arc is you know, coming to sympathize with the peasants and we sort of go along with him um, in in that regard uh, I, with with the viewpoint on the peasants because yeah. he... Sorry, the, the way the film is uh, filmed and the way everyone plays their characters, every villager is some flavor of cowardly dumbass. Uh, the only people who are sort of uh, well, sympathetic to particularly like a modern audience like us, you know, people who are clever, interesting, or proud are the samurai themselves, and even then only like half of them. That, right. That's an interesting point. The movie mm-hmm. does sort of filmically look down on the peasants yeah. themselves. Uh, I think that that might be pointed. Um, I think that this this movie, and, and this might, this itself might be condescending, but uh, to, Kuk- I'm sorry, uh, Kikuchio's point, um, 
I think that this this movie might be making a point about the way that class warps development um, or warps personal sort of understanding because he makes the point in his uh, pivotal speech about how the reason why peasants are the way that they are and yeah. he's referring to that that dumbassery also yeah. I, I mean he's specifically like the, the thing that the samurai um, you know get so incensed about to the point that they're considering killing the villagers is that they haven't just been looting samurai they, they hunt down and kill the you know the yep. stragglers, the yeah. the, the right. escapees, and so on. I think that's uh, where like my view of those scenes and of that characterization maybe differs. Uh, in that, like, they are given a great deal of agency in many points. Like it, the movie the and peasants I'm, specifically. Or let me finish. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, the movie through the eyes of the samurai um, does look down on them quite a bit for you know being simple people, for not being well educated, for not being capable warriors. But then it also looks down at them for, like you said, killing a straggler. Like, they encourage the um, the villagers not to, like, stab and kill one of the bandits when he breaks through. And, like, that's what they're there to do. They're literally there to rid the town of. Uh, so they're given, I think... There's a terrible hypocrisy there, right? Right. There's this this idea that, like, the the very thing that you have to do to survive because of the way the system works is also what makes you contemptible and worthy of being at the bottom of the ladder. And the very thing that samurai are hired to do. Yeah. Right? To protect interests using whatever, like, means necessary. There's Bushido code of, like, honor and respect and stuff. But literally their function in this society is to kill. Literally, I mean, like, when you boil it down to it. Yeah. So it is, there's that irony of the separation of those. Like, from the beginning of the movie, we don't just see, like, the issues uh, or the sort of main um, antagonism of the bandits. We see some discord among the peasants as well about what to do, about how to do it, about how to go about it. There's a scene where one of the uh, villagers eats all the rice in a night, and they're like, how are we going to pay any samurai, let alone, like, a good one? And he starts picking up, sadly, picking up one grain that of rice is at a time. the saddest scene in the movie. Oh, yeah. man, the saddest scene in the movie for me is in the very beginning when the, the peasants are literally, like, debating, like, hey, why should we harvest our fields? Because when we harvest our fields, the bandits are just going to come take it. Mm-hmm. They're, like, discussing, like, communal suicide <laughs> at yeah. the beginning of this movie. And it's like, wow, like, what a great way to start. Like, they're, they're using, I guess my point it's is bleak. They're, they're using yeah. the tools and the knowledge and the resources available to themselves to sort of, uh, under the guidance of all these samurai, um, not to become more like them, not to, like, learn their ways, but to use them, like, to use them to, to uh, as a means to an end. Yeah. Right. To, to Nick's point, though, I think that, that there, is a, there is a case to be made that, like, the way that, that peasants are depicted in this as, like, almost comic relief uh, often is maybe... Uh, maybe works against this message mm. of fundamental sort of like sympathy towards uh, peasantry and and contempt of a class system like when you when you depict this this um, huge gulf in uh, intellect and agency between the two classes it's even even when you I'm sorry what no 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 you keep going I'm just making excited faces because I think I have like a good thing to add to this sure great oh now right now Please. okay I, I think that gap is bridged by Kikuchio, obviously. Right. Right? Like, I think that he is a suitable, like, he's the puzzle piece there, sort of the, like you were saying when you said um, comic relief, like, most of the funny in this movie comes from Kikuchio. And from That's Toshiro Mifune's character. And it comes from his interactions with the villagers, sort yeah. of being able yeah. to communicate with them and the children and their families in ways that they can respond to that aren't just, like, 
I mean, he's still he's still a class traitor in some ways that he wants to be part of the samurai, but at the same time, he comes from lowly birth, right? Yeah, I have an issue with him, but that's okay. Uh, for that for that reason, he is very contemptuous of peasants yeah. and seems to be of the opinion that you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps if you try hard enough. And angry with the idea that these peasants aren't doing that. Sure. Um, and which is like, it's something that completely makes sense from a character perspective. Um, he would behave that mm-hmm. way. But also, there's a little bit of uh, sort of noblesse oblige, like interiority is uh, is inherent, right. right? The idea that like, oh, Cucuccio is an exceptional man, and that's how he can do these things. And like, the class system actually operates because the unexceptional naturally filter to the bottom and the exceptional rise. And so, mm-hmm. like, I don't think that... It's tough, right? He's a, he's a complicated um, reaction to the idea of a, a class system because on the one hand, yes, like, he was born um, a peasant and he rose, but on the other hand, the manner in which he rose is maybe a defense of the idea of class stratification. Mm. Um, I don't think that the movie wants it that way. Right. I just, you know... I don't. I don't really see it as him having risen. Sure. I mean, he's. Um, I think he's still rising. Yeah, yeah. He's. He has the scroll. He has a sword. He can claim to be a samurai, but you know, he's obviously not the person on the scroll. The obvious implication is that he. And they he find him out immediately. This. Yeah, he, right. he killed someone. Um, but the the more uh, uh, pointed thing about his performance to me is that he doesn't really pretend to be a samurai, other than claiming it. He doesn't compose himself. In any regard, he looks like a hobo, um, right? He, he and, has and he's the, just a brash ass. The, the mannerisms and personality of a quote unquote lower class. Yeah, when he approaches um, Kambe, he's just like sizing him up for a fight, yeah, uh, and like glaring at him like a, you know an angry dog or something. He's not like, uh, you know, I am of this clan or whatever. You know, you're greeting himself in any kind of formal way, uh, acting with any kind of respect. He's I think defined entirely by, you know, trauma rather than class striving. He's right. I don't had a difficult childhood. Yeah, and I don't think he really different. wants to be a samurai. Like in that in that he's just trying to speech, survive, man. In that biblical speech where he's talking about uh, how it is like the peasant's nature to be, you know, a certain way to hide things. When he does when the say the peasant's over. nature, doesn't he? That's uh, interesting. But then. He also says, and who, who, like, forced them into that? It's because samurai right. are, you know, he's incredibly critical of samurai as an right. institution. I think and, he just, and like... the idea that, that this system is what created the peasant's mm-hmm. nature rather than the nature being inherent and therefore the right. system creates... There's, like, a, a chicken-egg situation where this, yeah. this movie says that nature isn't nature. Quote, human nature isn't human nature. It, right. it arose out of... Uh, structure of power mm-hmm. yeah Sorry. He, he is ashamed to be he is ashamed to actually have been uh a, you know a farmer so it is established <laughs> that when he was a child that that he uh can't remember 100 percent of his backstory someone fill me in here if i'm missing it but he he essentially is pretending to be a samurai he was born a farmer um they kind of find it out pretty early bandits killed his family okay yeah uh, so he he is at once kind of ashamed to be a farmer while also being probably the most sympathetic toward them as well. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of this weird little clash yeah, of identity. He has a, like, it's it's interesting in in a very similar way to uh, Sanjuro or Yojimbo where he despises weakness, but that uh, despising weakness is a self-loathing, mm-hmm. self-reflected um, anger when he, when he lashes out at peasants for being 
weak. He's lashing out at himself, and I think that the film makes that clear. Right. Um, and Way it, too clear. Yeah. <laughs> you, you you wouldn't get away with that kind of. I I mean sentimentality. It, it was it was explicit uh, when he you know rescues the baby from the burning mill after the family goes in and, and you know they mostly die, um, and he rescues the baby. He literally says, "This is exactly what happened to me." Um, it's a bit, just for yeah. the viewers in the audience who weren't keeping up. <laughs> it's the same thing with the um, the woman, uh, the, the the wife of the villager who stays with the um, uh, the, the bandits. Um, you know, it, it's very explicit, and they they say multiple times that that was his wife. And the only thing that is sort of left up to uh, interpretation is whether she was, you know, like actually full on taken away, or whether she just. Said, eh, actually, you know, maybe being a con- concubine for bandits is better than, you know, being a dirt poor peasant, and you know, goes for the more quote unquote exciting life of banditry, mm-hmm. and you know, still feels that shame. Um, we should maybe talk about that scene or contextualize it a little bit further. I mean, it's it's a good it's a good scene and a good subplot. Um, yeah. The the wider point I was getting at is that you just can't be that explicit in in modern films i think without it just being incredibly tacky maybe uh, I don't people know. people try to imply everything now but they still do it really clumsily whereas i think <laughs> if i mean i mean obviously seven samurai was doing a lot of the stuff first so it gets away with being that, that on the that, nose that's my only counter is that like if it's a little on the nose i don't mind it because it's there yeah you know it's also it's also on the nose in term in the service of larger and, and more powerful sweeping themes mm-hmm. i think yeah like these um, are just little tiny they're bites they're, they're of points bits. toward the idea right mm-hmm. um cody what's going through your mind well uh, tiny bites uh made me think of the that scene again uh, the rice spilling out um that really said i think the villager was you hey Maybe I have that in the really sad looking, the really sad the old time. guy. Everything he does is hilarious. Um, he's <laughs> because sitting there of pick- his facial expressions. Yeah, he's sitting there picking up the rice, and um, if I remember the image correctly, it's just like a coin that goes onto the floor and kind of uh, oh, yeah. spills alongside a the rice from uh, Katsushiro. Um, oh, that's a great image. Yeah, who is the son and he just of keeps a- picking them up because he's a bit too, like, dazed with grief to even realize the coins the other guy sees. Exactly. And, like, nobody expects that this uh, child uh, comes from money, but, yeah, he's a son of a wealthy landowner samurai. Um, Yeah. Sorry, yeah. uh, Katsushiro is one of the people of the village where Kambe visits and saves the young child who's being held hostage, uh, and then he becomes one of the samurai who goes to defend the village because he wants to be like Kambe because he sort of learns the samurai way. And I get the feeling like um, like Katsushiro is sort of, he actually, in the way that uh, Kikuchio does not maybe really want to be a samurai, uh, Katsushiro actually does. Like He, he oh, very uh, much glorifies so, yes. that life yes. pretty heavily, and then he gets that I took pictures of it because I think it's a really good um, uh, Find these pictures interaction. on the Try Love Twitter podcast. There are like nine of them. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter podcast? Oh, man. I don't know, man. Uh, there, there's a, there's a, an interaction that he has with um, with Kambe where Kambe tells him, uh, hone your skills, then go uh, go to war and do great things. Right. Then become lord of your own castle and domain. And Katsushiro is looking kind of excited in the back. 
And then he starts to wind it back down, and he's like, but as you dream those dreams, before you know it, your hair will turn as gray as mine. And he rubs his head. An incredibly <laughs> good tick throughout yeah. this movie. He, I, he like, has a head rubbing, and it's it's like it's an almost Toshiro Mefune level it's beautiful. Uh, physical tick. Uh, he says, by that time, you've lost your parents, and you're all alone. <laughs> and then by, that, by the end of that short speech, uh, Katsushiro is just kind of like, oh, yeah. okay. Uh, he's still like glorifies the life of a samurai. He still wants to be... He does. He definitely honorable. romanticizes it a lot yeah. still. He finds a hero in uh, Kuyuzo, I believe the character's name is. Yeah, Maybe he, it's just Yuzo. He, he apprentices yeah. himself to Kambe, Yep. but he clearly idolizes the mysterious, taciturn... Uh, I, you just the said quiet, it. The, uh, Yuzo, or yeah, Kuzo. Kuzo. Yeah. Um, he clearly idolizes him. But my greatest... I honestly might have been my favorite scene in the movie somehow, uh, just this one shot of his reaction. But for pretty much the entire movie, he is the very familiar, um, green behind the ears, comically naive, comically enthusiastic guy who just wants to be one of the guys, wants to be, um, you know, the, the one of the people in this martial profession, and everyone sort of just looks down on him. Um, but there's one scene at the start when he's watching... Um, the, the the duel between uh, Kyusho and uh, j- just the random asshole who's challenging Some, another loser. samurai. Yeah, yeah. and That's and we've already we've already established that he is you know this this peppy wannabe, um, and he he's watching this duel, and as soon as uh, uh, our Kyusho uh, wins the duel and cuts the other guy down, you know you're expecting him to be like wow cool samurai and just be you all know, totally amazed at this expert display of swordsmanship and it cuts to him and he's fucking horrified yeah like he (laughs) he looks like he just saw his mother die Mm -hmm. and i think that's him realizing that like what this actually is no no it's not that he's i'm not going to be uh show sure i'm I'm going to be be that guy guy. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that's like oh i could die doing this yeah it's kind of the opposite of sanjuro really where at the end the samurai are watching mifune's character and they're like wow that was amazing (laughs) do it again you know yeah Yeah. Uh, (laughs) that's an interesting point yeah that's a good point yes um and it's interesting that yuzo or kuzo um he is he is both the most traditional samurai hero in this movie and he's portrayed as like a sociopath. Like this is this is a dude who like like lives to kill. Oh, yeah. John I, I, I really yeah. want to. I really want to talk about the the little stratagems they do uh, at towards the end of the film. in the last in during the fight. Yeah. I as a quick aside back to the um, the aspiring samurai though. I think he he only kills one person, and I think it does show that that horror again. If I'm remembering correctly. So I, I do think there is a continuity to that. Yeah, there is. Definitely. Everything else, he is still that peppy. He, kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Before we move to the next point, it's I think telling that he cries for only the dead samurai. I think right. Like at the very end, he's left there, like clutching his sword, weeping in the mud, in a way that he didn't for like the other villagers who died. He yeah. like these these are his bros, you know. Right. Like, which it, which transitions to the final scene yeah. with him I, and the end of his arc, uh, the really good last scene. But we'll come back to that. You sure. were gonna say, uh, yeah. I I just uh, it's sort of a, a tangent into the the way the fight goes itself. But I found myself thinking of um, capture the flag that we would play at. Wolf Ridge, running through, uh, as kids, running, running through, through the, the woods, forest. and yeah, yeah your and experiences are not universal. But <laughs> continue. The it made me realize um, this one scene in particular with Kyusho um, that that's 
what you know war and, and fighting was at this time was just running through the woods back and forth and, and that you know that that sweat and that struggle because what he does is just you know his master plan at one point is just go into the woods find where these guys are steal a musket that's, that's yeah it. he goes out bring that up. he comes back and there's this other speech um, that I think maybe Kambe gives about how you know you, you always need to be able to run uh, to, to run at your enemy and, and run away and, and you know that's basically what war is mm-hmm. and the, the entire fight it's just this very simple um, and Back drawn and out, yeah, just sort of bloodletting, uh, one or two people at a time. Everyone is running towards their enemies, and the moment they're like overwhelmed, they run away. Uh, all of the fighting's inside the village is the the bandits getting chased down one by one and just stabbed. And it's as soon as you're not able to run anymore, you're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that no other films. You know that we get now do the same thing and and show, I guess, violent struggle in a way that isn't glamorous they, yeah. or interesting. Uh, to speak to that, not glamorous. They do. Kurosawa does a lot of the classic Kurosawa thing, where like so many of the fights are just like thirty people with like farming tools chasing one guy, mm-hmm. and just like you you see them swinging it. And I had like another one of. I think we talked about this in Yojimbo. But I had another one of those moments where I was like, man, it fucking sucks to, like, get hit by weapons and shit. Like, like you feel it. It's it's silly Hot to take. say. Yeah. But, like, it's so much more. Uh, oh, God. This is the game journalist jumped out. Uh, it's so visceral <laughs> the way that, it, uh, um, that, that death works in this movie where, like, it's not just, like like, a, a single cut and the dude falls down, right? Like, yeah. it is a couple times when it's experts, but mostly it's bandits, like, falling, stumbling over themselves, yeah. trying to get away. Oh, man, that well, w- like, 30 oh. people swarm just him. Get him. And yeah. Just, yeah. like, just get fucking... Him. There's <laughs> that scene where two of the samurai are inside of a house, and they're, like, pushing one of the bandits out, and they just stab him through yeah. the wall, and it's it's the reactions, and, like, the, the way that, that Kurosawa and the cinematographer, whose name I probably should have looked up, but the way that they edited those shots to make them look as... <laughs> Like continuous and painful as possible, mm-hmm. even though there's like very little actual blood, like uh, you know, visual. Maybe no blood, really. really. No gore, really. It's I was another, trying to remember where I saw it, yeah. but I guess I did. It's another example of, of Kurosawa's uh, filmic technique serving his theme mm-hmm. in such a one-to-one way. Um, there's a, a pretty nice interview with two or three people uh, whose names I forget about how Kurosawa uses violence in his movies and specifically in uh, Seven Samurai and there's a whole lot of that language about like it doesn't glorify it it just like it's very not punctuated um, yeah. and and that that sort of coupling of depiction and theme is also something that he does with the peasants in this movie um, where like similar to uh, Redbeard or similar to some of the other movies we've talked about this movie is so interested in broadening the scope of what we would usually see in a traditional film Mm -hmm. uh, to to include subject matter and focus on people that normally wouldn't get the depiction that they get in this and it's interested in seeing how that depiction can radically transform our understanding of a movie I mean like like this is we we may be um, did did almost a disservice to this movie the way we talked about it because like it's such a traditional epic in so many ways it's like the traditional epic mm-hmm. in a lot of ways except that it's not right except that like we've been talking about class politics and yeah. identity within class that's and, another thing that makes the movie hard and, to talk about and is. it's amazing that that functions right it's mm-hmm. amazing that you can make an ostensibly genre movie like this uh, a traditional epic and it's 
absolutely a class movie. And the way that, that he can do that by changing the um, focus of the movie from the samurai to the peasants or mm-hmm. from the samurai to the world in which samurai can exist, um, the way that he broadens the scope and just just by virtue of broadening that scope says, like, look at what this actually is. It's, it's transformative, right? It, it's like you can't see other samurai this movies the same way again after you see this movie mm-hmm. um, in a really cool way. Uh, Cody, you look like you were... Drinking, drinking, drinking water. water. Yeah, it's <laughs> a great, great time to call <laughs> me up by name. No, that was real perfect. We can we can um, pin to Kyle if we want to hear his thoughts for a second. Yeah, we've been we've been neglecting Kyle. I'm sorry, sorry man, get Kyle. up on the mic. Yeah. Kyle, that is a shit point. Let him fi- let him finish. No, I mean it's not. Let him finish. Okay, you were right. It is a yeah, shit point. Yeah, it's a shit point. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, to jump back to I the uh, to the visceral violence. Thank you, Kyle. The visceral violence uh, of this one thing I thought was interesting is that for as horrifying the sequences of death for the bandits are i'm pretty sure like the at least our seven our titular seven samurai do they all die like those that do die they all die by musket right like none of them get cut down by a sword no, or a spear two of them or anything die like that by musket um one of them we don't see die right we just see his body being carried back oh yeah yep. Hi-ha- Not- i didn't i didn't catch what killed haihachi well he died at that um the, flaming, the burning, yeah. Yeah. Um, what killed him? I think he I, just got stabbed. I, I thought I heard a gunshot. Because, oh, like, he was, out by, he was out by this, like, body of water, and then he just kind of fell. Right. And samurai being killed by firearms is, like, a pretty well-worn trope and, like, a, a specific reference, right? Like, not, not just in something like Last Samurai, but, like, in a lot mm-hmm. of movies, what that means is, like, modernity coming for... Literally murdering you. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. I but don't remember when the fourth samurai died. Like I, I there were three at the end. Yep. I don't remember when. Who, who was the fourth samurai that died? And how? What killed him? It was. Uh, if was it? Um, and this confused me for most. There, so there was like a second in command, Gorobe, mm-hmm. yeah. and then there was Shichiroji. Who's right. an old friend of an Kambe's, old friend and who, very similar to the right. Who is not second in command, right? That just frustrated they, I, me. I think no they end. had very similar bearings. Yeah. I know one of them was alive still, and then the young apprentice and Kambe. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think he, he I think that? he died off screen somewhere. They like see his body, as I think you said, Jason. Yeah, I I, I think it might have been Gorobe who was carried back like on sticks during one of the battles. They're that like, right. oh, one of them died, and nah. they weep for a moment, and then they throw his body in a Let's hole see, and get like, on with who, the day. Who survives? It's Kambe survives. Um... Katsushiro. Katsushiro survives. Who is the third survivor? Is it Grobe or is it Shichiroji? Uh, I want to say Shichiroji. When does Kyuzo die? Kyuzo he gets got shot gunned down. By the That's right. Last yep. bandit leader with the musket and Kikushio. Kikushio uh, kills the bandit him, leader, stabs him, and gets shot. R.I.P. Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kikuchio is like one of my favorite characters. In oh really? I think so. I just like his his performance is like a composite of Toshiro Mefune characters yeah. uh, in like all of the best ways. And man, what a great character! Cody, do you want to bring ass. up the the making of this movie to where they kind of. Oh, yeah. Messed around with the casting so, um, of the character. IMDb trivia and uh, Wikipedia kind of worked <laughs> together on this one. Hell yeah. Uh, Apple sources. So this was originally going to be like a day in the life of a samurai movie where like samurai wakes up, samurai eats breakfast, samurai goes about his day. <laughs> Shit. Uh, like literally. Um, and samurai then, moisturizes his face. <laughs> and then the, um, the third act would kind of be uh, the samurai makes 
like an irreparable mistake and the only way that he could save face was by killing himself and like that was the movie Hell right yeah, yeah sounds pretty sounds, great sounds like a great movie uh and then kurosawa in his re- research came along a, a, a few different stories of samurai defending villages um and that's where si- the movie six samurai came in um with mifune uh, originally being kios kyuzo um apologies for the pronunciation um but then, as they went, they uh, eventually decided. I don't think it was Kurosawa necessarily. It may have been like somebody else. I, I, so was I it? think on Wikipedia, Kur- yeah. Kur- the Kurosawa was quoted as saying that six just kind of like blank-faced, very serious samurai right. was mm-hmm. too like dull and they not needed very interesting. Off the they wall. needed a, just a wacky there's, character. Yeah. And there's a. In a, does anybody else own the Criterion Blu-ray set of this movie? I do. I haven't uh, watched Have you read it yet, the, the, There's no. a booklet that comes with it with a bunch of essays and actually a, a retrospective from Tishiro Mufune on playing this character. It's a Holy fascinating shit. Re- yeah. It's pretty short, so, but it's good. He loved it, right? Nice things. Like he, his he, favorite like, character to play? Once they decided that he was going to be his own character and that they were going to write him in, he, apparently with most of his roles, Kurosawa just said, like... Do what you feel is right. It makes so much sense. And we'll, and I, we'll pull like, it back it, to what we It had to have been that, right? It was like, wild. Because it, it's so clearly Toshiro Mefune doing the thing that he does, yep. which is like the best Which is like the best thing. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. not I yelling at it. It's, he was allowed to create yeah. that character, and it worked really well because he does provide levity. He provides a, a new lens. Because oh, before yeah. him, sorry to cut you off. No, no, I was just thought. Regardless, yeah. um, aside from him, you have the perspective of the farmers, you have the perspective of the samurai, and it's. I won't say hard to empathize, but there's no like clear. Uh, there's no. There's like, no bridge between right. them. Exactly. Until totally. you have, and I, I know I said this before, but Kikuchio is that he bridges yes, that. Yeah. Gap. It's, it's not accidental genius. that like many of the critical beats hinge upon his character. I mean, he's the mm-hmm. main character of Seven Samurai. Honestly, easy like, to say. It's yeah. it's, uh, it's um it's muddied a little bit in that he doesn't show up until about halfway through <clears throat> the first act, and we follow Kambe before that, and the mm-hmm. villagers before that, but. He takes center stage in a major way. It's him and Katsushiro, I would say. And th- I think they, they deliberately are kind of mirrors of the same yeah, generations right. to be seen. One was a farmer's Young people son. from two different sides. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, Both vying for the same thing for different reasons. It's a beautiful little dichotomy they've got there. Yeah. Uh, Nick, I can't tell if you're agreeing with these points or sort of stewing the corner about them. Yeah. What mean, is it with people calling I, people out by name? I, I just want to know. Uh, you look pretty Mike, sleepy baby. over there, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen any um, Kurosawa films other than this and Hidden Fortress. Um, Interesting. Interesting perspective. Yeah, I, it yeah. just made me think. Catch um, our Hidden Fortress app, which is going to come out before this. Sorry to catch you I, I wanted Thanks to ask because uh, I, I remember seeing that you had the master-slave dialect or whatever written down in your notepad, and it just <laughs> I was made already, me think... I was going to talk about it, but yeah. yeah in, in Hidden Fortress, uh, the, the plot point um, with the princess is that she literally can't speak, because she'll instinctively speak in the... Um, in the Japanese, of a yeah, princess. Uh, the, the pronouns you use, uh, e- even the way you conjugate verbs, changes depending on your oh, standing yeah, in society really point. and the standing of the person you're speaking to, and the idea is that she would just instinctively say, you know... She would speak like a queen if she asked where the bathroom was. Even mm-hmm. um, in this film, I mean, I <laughs> don't remember enough Japanese to even follow what they're saying in Japanese, much less pick out the tenses and stuff. Um, or the that's okay. We forgive you. I don't forgive them. Thank Just you. Google Kurosawa Marxism over there. No, no. I like again. This is playing very much into again the Criterion has a great little booklet, and it's got a short essay about how Kurosawa literally was born 
uh, in a time in Japan of economic and societal change and struggle. And he found Marxism and was like an unrepentant uh, left. I didn't even left know I could like Kurosawa more than I Marxist. <laughs> I Let's did. go. When, go. when I mean, he started making that, movies, he started to like walk it back in sort of a more political way to say like, I'm not. You know, saying I, I was right like about Redbeard. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna Nobody is saying right about I knew anything. this about Kurosawa I didn't know this and about was reading from that perspective. See, so. I didn't know that. Good I thought you were just that smart, Harry. Thanks for telling me you're not. No, but like this is all gelling real hard with what I was finding out about because I I've owned this Blu-ray for like two or three years and I never read this uh, book. Yeah, I think I think that this is like of the Kurosawa movies we've seen, maybe his most cogent social point, and I I think that it makes a a really good at the end a really pointed audience call out in a way because it it characterizes why we want class structure in a really good way um, where the the final scene of the movie. Um, Kambe, they they win the fight. Spoilers, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and um, Kambe is sort of reflecting on society moving forward. And there's a, a sad part where um, Shino and Katsushiro see one another and then go to back to their respective lives, knowing that they couldn't be more than they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this notion that society is going to return to the the rigid, unjust system that it was. But Kambe makes the point that. This victory isn't a samurai victory. It's a peasant victory. This mm-hmm. victory belongs to the peasants. Um, and there, there is some sadness there. Um, and to me, it was the sadness of a, a person understanding maybe for the first time. Because this is – it's weird. Kambe's journey in this movie is like the arc of class consciousness, I think. <laughs> like he's yeah, understanding yeah. the system that he benefited from. And he gets the the, um, the frightening realization at the end that uh, his understanding of himself is predicated on an unjust and also just fundamentally flawed and wrong system. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that, that he was exceptional or that he – was a, a good man was predicated on the idea that people are less than him that's, in a way that they are not. Ooh, um, that's so that's so good, and it's echoed in his introductory scene in which he adopts, like he he has his haircut to adopt the visage and the um, the mannerisms of a monk, and then he kills a man. Yeah, <laughs> like um, and this movie again, weirdly like Bugs Life. They're like they're like <laughs> almost uh, like case study. Uh, walkthroughs of the master-slave dialectic that you brought up, um, which is the, the idea that uh, when, when two entities meet, class is established when one is afraid of death and the other isn't, um, and the, the one who fears death becomes subservient to the master. Um, but in being subservient to the master, the, the slave, again, not great uh, language, but um, the, the slave creates for themselves an identity outside of the class system because they they work to create products for the master and in doing so they they come to understand themselves outside of a rigid dichotomy whereas the master can never have that Hmm. um and so ultimately the slave rises above the system that established them as the slave whereas a master can't because a master becomes dependent on it by virtue of the fact that they benefited from it. And that's like exactly explicitly what's happening at the end of this movie is the master is realizing like I'm nothing outside of this system. Right. And like the movie is saying that to us, right? They're saying like like 
explicitly empathy and class consciousness must be connected. Like if you want to have empathy for people, you have to understand that they are not worse than you just because of the system that tells you that they are. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, then you are not better than them and your understanding of yourself has to change. And that's frightening, right? And I think that's not to get too hot takey here, but like that's why people like the idea of exceptionalism and like the idea of class hierarchies actually having some sort of uh, real world inherent um, worth to them because the idea that you're better than other people makes you feel good, makes mm -hmm. you feel like you deserve the things that you have. <laughs> right. He has – that's why I mentioned that as like the first time that he explicitly sort of like is having that open realization, not just about somebody he knows and likes, but about a whole cast of people that probably he hadn't thought of in that way before. I do. I, li I like that reading. Right. And it makes it so that this isn't a movie about feudalism. Mm -hmm. It's it's a movie about class broadly. It's, yeah. it's struck up by feudalism yeah. at a time in Japan where like city states were warring and that's sort of like the uh, beginning of the plot. And you started to see not anything close to the decline of, but like the beginning of the decline of the samurai caste. Yeah. Where like there are some who don't have a master where there are where like food isn't plentiful, where crime is rampant and they're not doing their job and they have the uh, the luxury of turning down jobs kind of thing. I, I mean, I don't think any kind of samurai movie... Um, it's it's the same thing with uh, with cowboy films. You know, you, you're never... You're, you're never setting it in in the in the opening of the frontier mm. when everything's wild and untamed. You right. Know, no, no cowboys ever sure. say, man, good times here. Uh, no, no encroaching civilization for me to worry about. Red Dead Redemption Two starts in Tahiti, and they just have a good time for the rest <laughs> of the yeah, time. Exactly. Uh, you're, you're always declining. Um, I think it's always at the end. Yeah, there's this fundamental idea for any kind of martial profession where you know you are either legally or illegally or whatever. Either way, frequently killing people, um, but you know in some general way uh, respected for it and you have agency because of it there's um, there's this constant theme no matter where you look at it of your time ending um, of, of being disrespected of losing status um, it, it doesn't matter where you go uh, right. whether it's cowboys or samurai or soldiers. Mm -hmm. yeah. And often in, in Western specifically, that's sentimental. There's something sad about that. It's, yeah. tragedi it's tragic that the Wild West is ending, and mm -hmm. we're meant to feel sad about it. I think it's the same way for for this film and the samurai, in that obviously um, there's there's a big reckoning for the samurai and, and you know, coming face-to-face -face with the, the daily oppression that they uh, are sort of complicit in uh, for the peasants. But there's still... Um, an implicit respect for the idea of the samurai as a thing to aspire to in, in, in sort of the way you exist and move in the world. Hmm. Um, Kambe is clearly a, a, a good guy in, in, in terms of quality. Um, he's composed, he is uh, usually, you know, gracious and, and polite to other people. He's wise. He's competent, yeah. yeah. Right, the whole reason that the woodchopper joins him is because of his character. He's like... I don't know what you're doing. I don't have any stake in it, but I like your character, so I'm going to join you. Yeah. He is pre presented as a pretty empathetic character for the most part. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think I might disagree with what the overall point of that sentimentalism or that sadness at the end means. Um, in, in this movie, I think that it, it we are meant to 
empathize and relate to the samurai. But I think that the movie is doing that toward its social message. And, like, the idea that samurai are coming to an end then means um, that we can no longer see ourselves uh, the way that we have been seeing ourselves as fundamentally uh, righteous or intelligent or um, classy, even, uh, in the wake of the world being revealed to be what it is and those things being what they are. Uh, this movie introduces the uh, contingents upon which that identity manifestation operates. And I think the end of this movie, the, the sadness there is like, so what are you now? It's like, now that you know you can't be that, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. um, and that, to me, that, that's what saves that idea because I'm, I'm really not a fan of the sentimentalism of, like, the Wild West closing <laughs> or the, the samurai Sengoku period closing because, like, fuck that, right? But, uh, yeah. but, there, but there is something interesting of turning it around on the reader or the, the viewer uh, in this case and being like, like, so how are we defining ourselves now? Mm -hmm. um, that's also why I think this movie is a, is a more interesting and cogent uh, meditation on class than Redbeard, because Redbeard, or this movie seems to explicitly tie empathy to class consciousness in a way that Redbeard didn't. Hmm. Uh, Redbeard, like, in his speech, he sort of, like, throws up his hands and is like, well, things are always going to be this way and you have to love people anyway. Whereas, like, in this movie, it's, like, actually, like, Understanding that peasants are people means that you have to it's, understand. It's what, because of the system yeah, that, yeah. That, that you have to find empathy. You have to find and love I, I and respect. And I hate the idea that empathy yeah. can exist outside of class consciousness right. because think, it can't. <laughs> yeah, running in parallel to kind of the existential uh, problems that the samurai are facing is the, the problems that the villagers are facing often are – you know, uh, symbolic, right? Like they are facing a threat to their home, their identity. Um, but they're also, more than the samurai, also facing very material threats. They're mm -hmm. facing they're literally the to, end of a spear and yeah. arrows well, and swords. The samurai are too, right? Like the samurai are, are definitely... By choice. A though. lot of them die. Yes, but by choice. Um, but also... You know, when they when they when their houses are burned, they are not just losing their home; they are losing their house, right? Um, when their crops are burned, when they have to give their crops away, that is mm. a very material a really impulse that they are acting on. That the yeah. samurai and that's are directly the, the master slave mm -hmm. dialectic, right? Yeah. Is that like the master becomes the master because they they need not fear the material consequences of what happens to them. Mm. They they don't identify themselves by those material by the consequences. Product, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, Th there's a scene. Um, Jisaku, who is the village elder, is kind of uh, maybe comparable to some of the samurai. He is also very wise, very intelligent. He is kind of leading this village in a lot of ways. Um, but he dies uh, in the film. He The bandits are coming to, like, stab the shit out of him, burn his house, and he just refuses to leave his house, and he just stays there. Cause it's one of the ones the on the outskirts of, that they can't right, protect. Yep. So they've decided, hey, let's, yeah. let's evacuate those, get him inside, and he is very proud. He's very attached to his home fucking idiot. I mean, what, you know, he's also what? He's probably like 75, he's 80 years old. At like, the beginning what of the is movie, he going to do if his house is gone? He decides, right? we'll fight. Like, Old people be loving yeah. property. Yeah. <sighs> Homeowners, you know. Jeez, I'm a renter, okay, but uh, just another NIMBY uh, complaining about uh, people moving. No, that's... that's uh, no, but, uh, you know, and his family dies too. You know, he just stays in his house and his family is like, oh shit, grandpa's in the house, we gotta go save him. And then they, then they, they die too, their house burns down. You gotta wonder why that woman uh, brought the baby with her. <laughs> Didn't bring the baby with her? No, did bring did. the baby with her. Into oh, the burning the rescue mail. mission. 
just didn't seem like Could've a smart that one off. <laughs> football that one to yeah. somebody else. Yeah. Hut, hut, hike. I don't there know. There are a lot of babies just NFL being Street left too. around in like bad circumstances in this movie. You know what I mean? Like just people like just life, man. mistreating babies. <laughs> just like, oh shit, I left my baby in the house when the bandits were there. <laughs> it was Guess we gotta go back for the baby fellas. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, I I've aired a lot of my thoughts, except like my favorite little parts about this movie. Does anybody else have any larger? Do you got a favorite little part? My favorite little part has to be Kambe rubbing his head because it comes back so many times. Like it's introduced when he when he starts talking about age and the passing of time and like his parents dying, and then it comes up. It probably happens a good six to eight times from there. I put my gum back in my mouth, and I don't know why I did that. Um, But it comes up uh, specifically when age or like is that gross? (laughs) Anywhere but the donuts. he not the donuts. <laughs> he does it uh, right after that speech with Katsushiro, and he says it um, while they're plotting the strategy. And they mention how the uh, old man, how the village elder, isn't going to come quietly, isn't going to come easily, and how he's very stubborn. And he rubs his head. I gotta say, I remember Mifune, you know, doing the beard thing and like red beard and, mm-hmm. and uh, Yojimbo Sanjuro. particularly. Yeah, Yojimbo. I do not remember the head rubbing. Oh, it happens so in much. This movie. It's and distinctive. Yeah. And then one really? of the most, one of the greatest parts is where uh, it's right after uh, Katsushiro's little tryst with um, Shino. Shino. Yep. And uh, and he comes back in and he's late for the strategy and then Kambe's like, okay, we're gonna do this. We have to protect the town. And he like. He rubs his head, realizing that the boy was out with a girl. You, you know, <laughs> the passion of youth or whatever. It's just such a good character. Like again, this—it's a complicated character to empathize with or to detract from. But like, as far as characterizing him, beautifully done. I, I, I think he's super sympathetic. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that that old man running into the burning building and his family coming with him to save him represents the idea that when the previous generation is too attached to the old ideas, they don't just harm? themselves they also screw over the next generations this samurai is seven samurai a climate change movie (laughs) (laughs) okay so that's gonna be that's gonna be the second time that i insert a bell thingy like a boxing by flooding the field so that's what i'm saying what are you gonna do with that field you can't use that field anymore no i think i think they need to be flooded for right (laughs) (laughs) i uh just in general the the film is not economical in the way that modern films are, and that's part of why I liked it so much. Um, in any other film... Well, actually, kind of separate point with the, the romantic subplot, so I won't touch on that at this point, but the um, the bit at the start with the uh, the gamblers that are staying in the, you know, loft house or whatever it is. Uh, flop house, rather. Um, Terrace house. just just abuse them the whole time and and (laughs) criticize them and so on. You know, Uh unibrow. I really like that guy. (laughs) Um, felt, felt kinship with him for reasons. (laughs) Because of the single eyebrow? (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's those Greek genes, man. We gotta, gotta yes, Greek. Let's go with that. Uh, basically, um, in, in any other film, particularly American film, modern film, those guys would get a comeuppance. Mm. Um, they would get trashed or humiliated by the samurai. The, the farmers would, you know, grow backbone um, after being inspired by the samurai and, you know, give them some kind of comeuppance themselves. It would be like a stinger at the end of the movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or like, or yeah, just, yeah, you, you know, an end of the first act or something. But they just, uh, you know, one of them finds, finds uh, Kyushiro drunk and brings him over 
you know, just as a lark, basically, and then they never show up again because they don't need to because this is a, a they were realist. Just, movie they were just tools. The yeah, they yeah. were just mm-hmm. making a point about how the peasants get shit on. Some, sometimes, sometimes you just you know uh, sleep in a flop house with somebody who's an asshole and you never see him again. Um, and now every, we see the cruelty inherent to the system. Yeah, every other film um, has to do something with with any kind of subplot like that and has to wrap it up in a neat little bow. Nick has had mm-hmm. some bad experiences in hostels, I can tell. Just from yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and and in share. movie theaters, which is the point I'm actually Wait, making. Wait, did somebody Ooh. clap at a movie while you were there? Because that's just no, the worst thing that can happen. No, it's modern storytelling. It's the same way with the... Um, I guess I will bring up the romantic subplot for this point. Um, something would have been done because... Uh, Remember when men were kings? Exactly. <laughs> uh, I, now I've forgotten the the young apprentice name. Is that Katsushiro? Katsushiri. I don't even think that's right. I think Katsushiro. it's Kikushiro. Well, no, because it's yeah, Katsushiro. Katsushiro is the young rich kid okay. who tosses yeah, yes. the coins at the right. Katsushiro Akamoto uh, has Iso his Kimura. meet cute with um, his romantic interest Shino, Shino uh, when he finds her like you know picking flowers in the field the same way he is. And he's like, oh, why aren't you, you know, she claims she's a boy. And he's like, why aren't you training with your spear? Mm-hmm. And in any other film, um, any other modern film, we would get a four-minute Mulan thing um, of him training her, you know, teaching her how to use the spear. Donny Osmond would sing a really good song. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we, we'd get a, a bit of comedy before he discovers that she's a woman. And, you know, they would play out the the romance, however, with him. You know, being accepting of her trying to do the man thing or not, um, there would be tension there. And you know, at it, in the climactic fight, she'd maybe get to sick one of the bad guys mm-hmm. and uh, you know stand up for herself. But here, it's just no. You, you know, she's a woman. They flirt. Uh, there's no sort of. Um, what you're saying is you're into rigid gender roles. <laughs> I was well, gonna say I would also like it if Sheena were an actual character. I was going to say, like, that, whole, that, whole, that whole relationship, and maybe it's part of that, like, lack of sentimentality that one, that uh, Kurosawa wanted to throw out there and, like, try and emphasize empathy in other ways, but that whole thing ends with just her public shame. Like, she's not brought back into the story yeah, after being sucks. publicly shamed, left in the mud, crying, even by Kambe, who, like, gives a glance back to be, so as to say, like... Yeah, well, I mean, Kambe is is a, a newbie to Kambe class consciousness. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this movie's gender politics are not great. They're um, they're a bit of a mess. I mean, like they are, they make sense, right? Like like they're they're pointed mm-hmm. in the sense that, like, again, we we see the violence inherent in the system, right? Like like women become property under this sort of class. Mm-hmm. construction and that's terrible and i think the movie points out how it's terrible in a lot of ways but uh to your point um cody like shino does not get enough screen time and is fundamentally a subplot for the samurai rather yes. than a character of her own yep. which is a shame particularly because uh kiko sushima the actress is really good in this yes. movie um yeah. my 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 question is um how much of uh, the, the way that subplot is treated is sort of realistic for the time period and how much is maybe just a, a slant or, or the way that people expected that kind of romance to be treated, you know, in 1950s audiences. Because hmm. I think it, it was the best possible kind of romance you could have had in this film because they're both, they're both young, they're both uh, uh, sort, sort of naive and spirited people. Um, the romance is very sort of 
uh, childish and sappy, mm-hmm. and I don't think they actually even seal the deal. Uh, they think, do. I think it's implied because she's like adjusting the fight. her robe okay, as she yeah. comes out. So it's it's very it's definitely something that Western audiences would be one hundred percent sympathetic to in any film. And I'm wondering to what extent uh, do we? Um, or it's just the audience in general supposed to say, "Oh yeah, you know, this is in any kind of relationship between a samurai and you know a young village woman would be unacceptable." And um, how much we're sort of meant to uh, like, like, like see see the trouble it causes as inevitable versus the, the way it does linger yeah, I, on her I, shaming. I'm, I'm, it lingers on her shaming, and then it forgets her, and then the next scene with Katsushiro, they're like, now you're a real man. Yeah. Ah, ha, 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 uh, ha, there's, ha. there's like a really pointed difference, gender difference, in the way that those things She's, are received. She, left, like, she is shamed, and he is celebrated for doing the same thing. And that and is, there is mad a, fucked up. Yeah, like, and, we can all agree. But, but it's imp- like, that's the point the movie's making. Right, that's like, The I'm reason saying. that those scenes are juxtaposed is to make that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is like there is a, a gender underclass point there. Um, yeah, none of the other samurai like ever you know get busy with any of the village girls, but they're. I, I think um, not even uh, uh, Toshio Mifune's character specifically. Um, he he does a lot, but I think and he's the hottest too. one. Yeah, they're, like yeah. they're they're constantly <laughs> joking about getting frisky. Um, they're, they're not making like outright rape rape threats, but they're you know constantly commenting on women's bodies. Right. Maybe it is just him specifically. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, there's sort of like the half half baked in uh, or. There's the villagers' fears are sort of half justified mm-hmm. um, with regards to their daughters, in that it's clear that the samurai are you know interested and horny like most samurai are. Right. It's just these ones just happen to be nice guys who wouldn't do anything like that. And getting back to Harry's point about that, it's less about focusing on the experiences fact. of the women. Yeah. Oh, I'm well, sorry. Or, or like the fact that a father is overprotective of his daughter, and more of like what systems. Of oppression and like and caste have created impetus for him to do that. Yeah, the, he probably the, is like just an overprotective father because like the I patriarchy think, is I think shitty. To, but to both of your points, the cla- the gender politics of this movie are fundamentally in service of its class politics mm-hmm. in a way that feels wrong. It feels dirty. It, yeah. it feels like right? we should be given more time. With we her. like we need. She both. should be more of a character. Uh, that that gender gender politics and gender statements should not be used as just a. Um, apparatus to make a class point. Mm-hmm. It needs to be its own point in addition. And and they they are in coordination, right? Because, like, the, the patriarchy is a class system and a, a gender oppression system. Mm-hmm. And so, intersectionally, it makes sense to critique them both from the same point of view. I don't think this movie necessarily does that. Right. I think... I don't... Th- I guess my point is that I'd, I don't see how it would have hurt to have had, as everybody's pretty much said her be more of a fleshed-out character, her be more real, her, like, be given some choice or autonomy throughout the movie. Like, I guess she's not forgotten. She's then seen working at the very end of the movie. And Katsushiro sort and, of, like... And they, they have that glance, and yeah. it goes back. It's it's super Romeo-Juliet in the sense that, like Nick said, like, it's this idyllic romance in unidyllic times, and you get to see, like, how... Oh man! If only that romance could have worked out, and we're supposed to have animosity for the system that I mean, made it not I, I work think out. It's a specifically, mm-hmm. not Japanese necessarily thing, um, but like some element of tragedy, uh, not in in the way the romance develops, particularly with the shame. But of course, you know, with it ending with them 
with them departing. Um, that's also a very Japanese thing, I think. Hmm. Um, a lot of Americans just aren't as happy with those with the kind of ending where they just depart. You know, we can never really be together. The whole star-crossed lover thing mm-hmm. um, worked fine in Romeo and Juliet, but they both died, and they <laughs> died together. Uh, this one, they just oh, we can't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Americans want to see you say, "God damn, the class cleavages." Well, we're gonna bang and we're gonna love it. The way that this movie ends does it tell? And I don't know if if, it, if it's explained in any kind of lore or like screenplay, but. Does it tell you that they actually ended up leaving? Did they leave this village, or did they stay to protect it for like the re- the remaining samurai? I think they were. On did they the hang way around? Like, does everything know. we learned about the movie tell us whether or not they would have stuck they, around? The the nature of like the whole samurai myth is you're just forever wandering, particularly when you're a Ronin. Right. Uh, they're not sticking around. But now that, oh, that Rioni, what? It's nothing. It's a wandering samurai. Kind of pasta. <laughs> no, um, Again, uh, but like the w- because several characters have come to view samurai institution as somewhat different. Some of their myths have been deconstructed. They've sort of developed empathy. They've sort of become aware of the class, class consciousness, class yeah. consciousness that's uh, sort of guiding them and um, and is the basis of their livelihood. Does that change anything? Do they just become then like stewards of the lower class? <laughs> to me, I think that the lack of answers at the end is pointed right it's like important? a what comes next situation it's like like there's there's maybe the implication that things will return to the way they were mm. and that's terrible but they can't really right because of who uh Kanbei is now and who the remaining samurai are now it's like now that we understand this about ourselves and the world uh where do we go from here and I think that's the part where Kurosawa turns around and pointedly looks at the viewer <laughs> and says where do we go from there <laughs> Um, Thanks. That's see you again question. soon. Yeah. Next time. Are you asking how long we've been recording? I, yeah, I'm trying to peek over. Listen, we, it's, a th- it's a three-hour three movie. We have, <laughs> we have a good two yeah. and a half left, buddy. Yeah. Uh, Cody, what was your favorite part, your favorite little part? Jason said his oh, little man, part. Oh, man, I said that a long time ago. You can just talk about whatever you want right now. Anything I want. Uh, one <laughs> behind-the-scenes thing that hasn't been brought up yet that I really liked. Um, I think this was specifically from Wikipedia. IMDb Trivia did not assist me with this. Um, But uh, Akira Kurosawa apparently created a registry of all 101 village residents um, and, like, set up their family trees and everything just so that the actors portraying those, you know, those extras, those minor background characters would have an idea of where everybody slots in, which is... Like a great, but not together, not altogether surprising. Um, like Kurosawa cool. tidbit, yeah. Like I feel like every movie has, the, like Redbeard. We probably talked about how, like, just the fact that he constructed that entire clinic had actual medical tools in, the, in those stores. Like it's very on par with what he would do. This is another great single scene or single set uh, Kurosawa movie, like Redbeard or Yojimbo, where it's like yeah. the village is like where almost the entire movie takes place. Yeah, yeah. I think when I was going back and and, and kind of just listening to our episodes on Yojimbo and Sanjuro, um, we out we now. did have it. A, yeah, out now you can go listen to them. On the Isn't this going to come out like in May or some shit? No, so, like, end of be, April. Oh, oh no, it's, it's uh, it's the end of April right now, actually. Right. I'm sorry, I don't know what I was thinking. Fresh off the 
Nick, I hope you're seeing all film. the seams of this shitty production we've got going. Every <laughs> oh, single absolutely. one. The stitches are coming undone. No, but we did we did talk about kind of the difference between Yojimbo and Sanjuro in regard to the sense of geography. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think Redbeard does that very well, giving you kind of a sense of a location. That was something I think Sanjuro did pretty badly. Um, I think this movie does it well. I think you get pretty good picture of the village. Mm-hmm. Um, it is helped by kind of the you know the different vignettes that we get from the villagers. But I think it does feel like a real place. Um, it, you can kind of tell all that the work has been put in. And the, the plans in the final the third um, yeah. really explicitly mention the geography. And like sure, they're the, flooding the, yeah, the, flooding the They're flooding the they're, fields, yeah. and they're like, we have to defend this point and this point, and like, yep. we're going to build a wall here. And like, there's a lot of discussion of the terrain. There's a map, I believe. Isn't there a shot? There is, maps yeah. of the mm-hmm. village, and they're a kind of showing, map. okay, they'll go in through this entrance or this they, entrance. They, or. they tick off the... Uh, the bandits oh, yeah, as they kill so them. Good. It's them fucking radical. Yeah, that is a really and then like that's mirrored perfectly in the banner that they create. Yeah, they, they make they make a banner for themselves for the Seven Samurai, like a team yeah. banner. Uh-huh. It, it uh, kind of reminds me a lot of like some role playing games I've played where you're like you know you're defending a village or a castle. Again? Or, uh, Mass no, I was talking is, about tabletop. I was talking about tabletop oh, okay, role playing okay. games. Mass Effect Two is Seven Samurai in space though. Wait, so. do you want to talk about Morrowind? Uh, Let's I not stop fucking talking about everything right now. <laughs> <laughs> Enter the bowling. That's a good way to fucking end it, right? You mentioned Marlin. Yeah, I mean that you ended it. It's it's over. Well, I guess we should open it back up then, uh, Aaron and Nick. Like, if you had a favorite part of this movie. Best part of this movie, clearly number one. I don't know if I said there was a best part earlier, so I may contradict myself. But at the beginning, first third of the movie, when they're recruiting the samurai, they have nice little scenes for each of the samurai that establish their characters. And uh, one thing that happens at the beginning in order to kind of test the samurai is that Katsushiro, the young apprentice, is told to, they're in a building. Uh, well, specifically, uh, Kambe is in a building, and they're bringing the samurai in one by one to talk to them. And Katsushiro is told to kind of stand uh, by the door frame with a big stick. And when they come, oh, they just, like, yeah. rock oh, the shit out That's of them. such a good bit. And each of the samurai react differently. So I think the first, you know, he just immediately grabs it he out and then beats yeah. the shit out of them. They're like, why, why are you doing this? Uh, the second one doesn't even go through the door. He just, like, waits and is like, there's an ambush behind this door. Mm. This and has then, to be a joke, he says. Yeah, this <laughs> has to be a joke. joke. And then I think, I think uh, is it uh, is it Mifune's character yeah, that he's, like, drunk at the time? And, and he, he just walks in clobbered. and he gets the shit kicked yeah. out. <laughs> it's such a good, like, visual gag that pays and, off. And also, in the like, of, like, it's half perfect characterization, right? The it's idea great. that, yeah. like, Nick said, like, he's so clearly not a samurai. Like, he's he's pretending. And again, um, you know, there's seven of these guys. So it's like, you, that's a thing you can only do when you have a three and a half hour movie. Where it's like, okay, we're just going to take some time to establish all these characters mm-hmm. properly. Um, that scene um, did have the most spectacular burn on anyone in the film, though, when it. Uh, Kambe says to Katsushiro, "This will be good practice for you." Yeah, because that's that's how much of a piece of shit you are. <laughs> just standing beside the door and walloping people with a stick <laughs> is is bludgeon. you know yeah. that's how you gain XP. You. Yeah. yeah, he also knows that he's going to get the shit kicked out of him by one of these guys, right? Like he's like, oh, this this guy's going to get. Like, that would be a good experience yeah. for him. He, he watched... He's like Calvin's dad from Calvin Hobbes, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't build character for you. <laughs> wow. Uh, my favorite visual bit uh, and Kukuchio bit is when he is attempting to ride a horse that they took from a bandit, uh, and they're, like, really <laughs> excited about it, and he's like, no, like, this horse is going to change everything, guys. Like, I'm I'm great at this, and, like, we're going to we're gonna ride into battle. And so he gets... A, I, is it even a horse, or is it, like, it's a like mule? It's like a nag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he's, he's riding around and going crazy on... On it and like clearly can barely stay on it and everybody's laughing and watching him and then he, and he's like whatever and and 
uh, <laughs> um, gallops away, and we see him galloping off uh, into distant houses, and he's like struggling to control this nag, and then he passes behind some of the houses, and then we just see the nag come out from the other <laughs> side of the house without him Single on shot. it. It's so funny. Uh, it's, it's like your dipshit friend in high school who's like, yeah, no, I can drive a stick. It's fine. Yeah. Like, dude, it's totally fine. I can do it. And just... And then grinding and cranking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually have another Kikuchio um, no. scene. Uh, if I'm remembering the placement of this correctly, it's when he, like, deserts his post or something and leads... I can't remember if it was Kyuso or one of the other titular seven um, that leads no, to them he, getting killed. Yeah, he leaves a peasant in charge of his post, which right. is supposed to be his to guard, and it leads to another one of the samurai being killed, yeah. There's Very stray dog responsibility thing happening there. Mm-hmm. Totally. And yeah, at nighttime, after they bury um, whoever it was that died, he's like sobbing. I don't actually know if he's sobbing, but he's sitting in the dark, like amongst the, the tombstones. Um... Which I don't know. It wasn't one particular shot. It was a number of shots. But I just whenever any of the samurai die, they put their katanas on mounds uh, in, in like the prominent parts. Coolest and, fucking yeah, way. Like the last scene of the movie, you just see four katanas like resting on mounds above the village. It, it fucking rules. But anyway, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's all I had to say. I did have actually three lines um, from this movie. Oh, all right. Uh, Do whip them out. Whip them out. Um, in Japanese. Uh, currently whipping them out. Um, and I think this was said by the village elder. Um, can't remember. It's been uh, a, a while. Actually, it hasn't been that while since we uh, recorded this. So that's... Um, it was the village elder <laughs> saying, um, your head is on the block and all you can think of are your whiskers. Yeah. I cannot remember the context of that. Yeah. Oh, that was, Man, that was them line. worrying about uh, a samurai getting frisky with their daughters. Oh, and wow. Again, that's again another mark of the patriarchal thing. Yeah. The whiskers are your... Yeah, you know, your your Inside pride, your, your masculinity, and, and that's right. what you're worrying about. Yeah, what a great that's line. That's a good saying. Yeah, I saw it translated to a few different ways. What an emblematic line was... of the entire. He, like, he also yeah. gives the the kind of the famous quote from the movie at the, uh, near the beginning when they're talking about, well, how are we going to get samurai? And he says, "Even hungry bears come down from the mountains mm-hmm. find hungry samurai." Find hungry yeah. samurai. That's yeah. a really good one. Real good. Um, this guy's the hungry samurai. Yeah. Am I right? Let's <laughs> wrap this up, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Uh... <laughs> Kikuchio at one point gets restless and says, shit, I want to do something wild, and he just kind of throws Hell his arms yeah. out. Hell <laughs> yeah! Um, Bro, you and me, dude, we're gonna get some fucking so 40s, good. we're dude. gonna hang out, we're gonna go downtown, we're gonna make it a night, dude. Kikuchio, yeah, was very obviously like the college freshman. God damn it, I just want to do something wild! <laughs> How often are you in town, dude? Seriously, let's do it. Let's make it a thing, dude. I mean, he oh, is... Thank you for covering the rest of that line, Aaron. That was really good. <laughs> He is the wild freshman who wants to party with the seniors, and uh, the samurai being the seniors. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and the young samurai is, is the stuck-up RA. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I wish I went to college. <laughs> <laughs> and then the final line that I wanted to bring to the table, um, it's just as we get into, like, the end of the first act, right before the intermission, um, Kambe brings everybody together and says, uh, so that's it, huh? We're some kind of seven samurai. <laughs> no, fucking it's a beautiful, it, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Kukuchio's big sword. He's just like, his sword is so big. From the very beginning, and, like the uh, first time you see him, he has this sword that's as tall like, as he is. It's so perfect because you know that that motherfucker was like, I'll show them. I'm the best samurai. I'm going to get the <laughs> biggest sword. Like, fuck you. You think you're better than me? Like, look at the size of my goddamn sword. <laughs> 
Uh, and it, like he can't even use it really because it's too big to be practical for anything. So he just like like raises it he and like kind of frenzies, makes yeah. faces. Yeah. Uh, one thing I didn't notice the first time I watched this movie, but in the third, re- in the second rewatch, I guess the third actual watch, I'm gonna be a pedant about that too. <laughs> um, the very end, that final shot, like the way that the different graves line up against the, ow. <laughs> Line up against the sky. Kyle, stop hitting Jason. Yeah, what the fuck, man? God. Jesus, you've been so quiet this whole time, and then you just lash out in anger. What's that? Bring up... I'm, so- yeah. I'm sorry, Kyle. You're right. No, it's fine. He did have it coming. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jason. If I can continue, saying? please. Kyle. Uh, that final shot where it's like outlined against the sky with the different graves... That looks like folded steel, does it not? Like the way that steel is folded against, like, glorious Nippon steel? Oh my god. Right? I'm so right about this. Glorious uh, Nippon steel? I'm so right about this. Is a t-shirt place. available now at the Trial of Podcast thought, shop online? I thought it just kind of looked like two pairs of boobs. <laughs> this is like a Rorschach situation. <laughs> it should I not be a Rorschach see situation. <laughs> see folded steel. It's a Shaq Fu situation. I, there are two kinds of men. <laughs> Terrible and worse. Yeah. <laughs> True. Uh, Seven Samurai. Glorious Nippon Steel and Nipples. That's... Okay. Let's, uh... Now we need a content warning. Last, uh, what's the time on who's, this? Who's okay, at, who's at 131, you're editing it. Uh, did, Nick, did we ask you if you had a favorite part of this movie? You did not. I Please, I would like to know what was your favorite part of this movie. If you can remember from last night. I mean, I wouldn't say I had any specific part. There were a few shots that were evocative, mostly of people's faces. Um, I, I like it when actors get all nice and sweaty in films. People don't seem to do this that This is anymore. a great movie for sweaty dudes. Yeah, uh, par- particularly the sweaty woman, the the uh, the wife of the villager. You know, the the, the just brief shot of her, uh, multiple shots of her, you know, sort of waking up and, you know, confronting her husband. They're all very well acted, but the thing that I liked the most about the movie is the way uh, the, the violence is treated, um, particularly anything that isn't the samurai stuff. Um I know that's what everyone loves about samurai films, the lightning-quick duels and the, you know, people frozen in place for two seconds before collapsing. Geysers of blood. You should exactly. see Sandro, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, I much prefer um, just the stuff with the peasants where, the you know, they just chase down a, a guy who's, like, desperately scrambling over dirt and, you know, mm-hmm. through bamboo and stuff. And, the, and that visual dichotomy so, is really... Yeah. yeah. And the violence is just very clumsy and awkward and unpleasant for everyone and involved, terrible. even yeah. the people who are winning. And I think that's really the only way that you can do true diligence you to Motherfucker, you're film. doing Come and See right now. You're about, yes. you're about to bring up Come and See, you I, son of a bitch. It is bitch. the same idea. It is the same idea. It is the reason Nobody why... Nobody has any context for this. So, come and no. See is Nick's the favorite movie no. and the well, only sorry. movie. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me get in here. Uh, <laughs> Nick is my Nick is my twin brother. Nick watches like Nick listens to like three songs. He has like two movies he's ever seen, and like every three years he'll pick a new piece of media that he just hounds me about. Like, yo, have you have you heard this album yet? And it's like it's like a French new wave like discotheque shit from like Justice? the seventies. Oh, that I'm sounds like, awesome. How did you yeah, even find this? Like, clearly somebody on a forum on the internet just like, hey, listen to this, and he's like, oh, this is what I'm gonna badger Aaron time, about for the next four years. Every time it's amazing, and he loves it. He's been telling me to see Come and See for. <laughs> Since college, since college, yeah, and he just sounds like he's right stop. to badger you because Man, you haven't right watched where, it yet. Right when I heard like violence has to be terrible in order to be, uh, yeah. and it, again here I'm specifically oh. talking about action films. 
because there is never any kind of weight to violence, and the only the only way to make an action film interesting is if you are on the level of Eco Wace or Jackie Chan or any of the people who can make you know kinetic, cool Hollywood violence. We just faded out here. Uh, <laughs> we, we did that once. Actually, interesting to watch because there's just like enough going on with props and martial artistry. Uh, the intermediary level where you're in Marvel or whatever and you're just trading punches back and forth mm-hmm. and, you know, people uh, get stabbed in clever ways. It's like watching paint dry. This, I think, is the way you want to do it if you're doing a serious movie and you want violence in it. If you don't Have want... everyone stagger around and, and grunt and cry and sweat everywhere. Have you seen uh, and do you like Mad Max Fury Road? I have. I love that movie, and it's, it's fantastic. This is scratching a lo- like this. What you're saying scratches there's a lot of those. Some edges. pretty clean violence in that movie. There's a lot of pretty clean violence in that movie, dude. Well, yeah, the there's a lot bigger of people riding on stuff. like thinking, 18 foot pikes that are flinging onto other cars. But, but they're fucking clean, up though. constantly. Yeah, it's a little messy. I don't know if that's a great example. Mm. Yeah. There, there isn't too much interpersonal violence. I don't think. Does, that I remember. does showing the violence as clumsy and horrifying uh, fetishize it uh, in a way that Marvel? No, I, th- I think don't. I, I think that the, the shot no. to shot Jason Bourne stuff fetishizes a lot more because it makes yes. it feel cool and sexy. People are fucking up with the Jason Jason Bourne. People, people. like I, I think the point Nick's making is that if you want your violence to be horrifying, you have to make it horrifying. If, if, you, can't if you want make it violence stylish. to have that weight of, like, you know, violence is bad, you need to film it in the way that Seven Samurai does, and in similar films, if you do what Jason Which Bourne similar does films, like what? Like what, for instance? Like, uh... Other come, films? Come and see, maybe? I don't... Yeah. The, the, the okay. thing about Come and See is that it doesn't show the violence. I think the Jason sure. Bourne... The Jason Bourne reference is weird, because that movie, I think you do get the weight of the violence That's in that film. Somewhat. I mean, that, that movie's pretty... There are scenes in that movie that are pretty brutal to about, watch. I mean, sorry, but like, killing, killing Clive Owen, yeah. making Clive Owen say, oh, Jason, look what I made you give. You know, maybe that tugs some heartstrings, but when you watch the Bourne Supremacy and you, you see him kill a guy with a magazine, you're like, oh, violence. You're not like violence. Fuck like, yeah. Hell yeah. I want to be Wick, a John Wick secret agent. Yeah. Unassailably good, and it does all of that bullshit. Yeah, that yeah. Right. Well, right I mean, you seen John Wick, dude? What's wrong? I, I think I, I think that's I think that sums it up. I that was a great last few minutes. Have fun about editing nothing but, this, bro. About nothing know. but Seven Samurai. Uh, you're, you're welcome. Uh, this marks the end of the Kurosawa watch. Um, yeah. Great movie to end on. Uh, Seven Samurai. Yeah. How many did you amazing. Do? Uh, How many did we do? So we did Yojimbo Saint Jiro, uh, Red Beard, Hidden Fortress, Throne of Blood. No, no we did not. We didn't. We, we didn't did record on Throne of Blood. Stray Blood. Stray Blood. Stray Blood. New JRPG from Platinum Games coming 2020. Um, I would play that. I would too. Uh, and and this one and Seven Samurai. So no, but seven? every single time you said, "Do we have seven? No, no, we definitely. We had uh, Yojimbo, Sanjuro, um, Hidden Fortress, Stray, Stray Dog, Dog, Redbeard, Redbeard, Seven Samurai. We need to do one more. Mm. We have to go back. We could do a Throne. Of we we have to do go back. I live in fear. Okay, we saw that. I would rather do I live in fear than Throne of Blood. Okay, but that's, uh, look forward to. Maybe we could we could also do uh, the first one, um, Rashomon. Yeah, those are a couple that we missed. Me too. Rashomon's only 86 minutes long. uh, Yeah, we're done. Serious recommendation. See Toshiro Mufuni and Lee Marvin in Hell in the Pacific. Great recommendation, actually. I like that a lot. Have you seen it? No. I haven't seen Come and See either. There's a a movie called, I believe... He's not Come and Seen It. Oh, shit. I can't remember. Maybe Red Noon? I can't remember. It was just... Wasn't he in a movie with Robert Mitchum? Yeah. 
Robert Mitchum steals a katana from him. Is that is that Red Noon or whatever? I think so. Okay. I don't think it's called Red Noon. It's called something. I can't remember. In any case, thank you for listening through all of this. I don't know why I'm locking eyes with... We should edit a lot of the end editors. of it, but... We yeah. should? Yeah. I don't know about that. Yes, oh, I see how it is. Okay. <laughs> what if we just edited Nick out? What if we just, just reference that he was here out? and then just edit him out? <laughs> we could also edit Kyle out. We're not going to do that. I was just joking, Kyle. Thanks for listening. Bye. I'm Harry. 